0: Systems Initiated. You are listening to the Empire Podcast Network. This is Jacob Young. Many of you have followed my career on television and in movies for the past 20 years. As Jacob Young, the actor, Characters I've played have had mountains of problems to overcome. Let's face it, nobody's life is perfect. And in real life, I've also had my fair share of challenges to face. This podcast series sponsored by Boys Town is a place to hear some of my famous friends talk about the issues that they've had to face and how they've jumped over those hurdles Pathway to a healthy mental health. It's time to give it real. With real conversations with Jacob Young. This week's special guest has lived on and off the TV town of Salem. As Chloe Lane on NBC's Days of Our Lives, she starred in movies, hit primetime TV shows, music videos, where she shook her bomb with Reggie Martin.
1: <laughs>
0: now this week, you're going to find out some things that you might not know about her. Yeah, you know, she recently worked with me on a a TV series called Beacon Hill. My special guest this week is Nadia Burelin. Like sands through an hourglass. You know what time it is, folks. It's time to keep it real. It's time to keep it real with real conversations with Jacob Young. Nadia, what is shaking on your bonbon?
1: Hey! H- hello, hello. That, that was quite. That was quite the intro.
0: Well, uh, you know that's what we do here on Real Conversations.
1: I will shake my bonbon for you anytime, Daryl.
0: <laughs> well, thank you and so I, much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that as an, a, a long-term friend. Everybody, get your mind. Well, we've stuff. known each
0: other for such a long time. I mean, really, we go back. <laughs> well, I mean, I seriously, can. like like you and I, we go back to the same era oh and like, like, we, were, like, it's, we, were
1: like we, we were children yes or at least like well i can kind of pretend yeah we were basically kids but yeah no i actually i did i started on days in 99 i think you said 99 then you said 97 but
0: no i was saying 1979 because i was like it's uh that was the year i was born <laughs> It sounded funny when it came out because I was like, "Whoa, God, no!" I actually was born that was years. Oh, you were born in
1: seventy nine. Okay, I was born in eighty.
0: Woo! So we're not yeah, that far and apart. Look, look, and and, and yeah, by the way, just so up. everybody who's listening, you well, have to I'm know that know. she doesn't. She she looks amazing. By the way, so <laughs> thank you for thank joining you. I, us.
1: I I paid him to say that, you guys. So <laughs> I, I I thank you so much. <laughs>
0: so you you've had such a sex a successful career right you you, I mean thank you yeah of course I I mean we we go way back and you go way you know way back into the days of our lives not only that I mean you've done movies you've done everything under the sun how important has self-confidence been in helping you achieve your goals
1: Oh, that's a really good point. Um, self confidence is everything, and it's something that you don't learn, or you or you only learn with age, really, and experience. And it's definitely one of those things. I think I would um, go back twenty years in time and say, "Hey, like you know, know your self worth, or know how good you are at something." And I think that applies to any profession. But yeah, us as as artists or actors, you know, there's there's so many facets to the profession and so many facets to like feeling accepted or feeling like you're you're that you that you're good at what you do. And
0: let's um, talk about and, that. And let's it's, talk it's, about yeah, it. And like what acceptance. Is, what yeah. does it mean about acceptance for you? <clears throat> How?
1: Um, I I mean, I guess that's something that you. You start to have to learn as like, well, I was gonna say, as a child or an adolescent or anything that what you're doing is, is just right for where you're at in your life. Like you're perfectly okay in your artistry, what, wherever you're at in your journey in life. And, um, I guess maybe not being so hard on yourself, which is so much easier said than done. I love that. Anything you do. I love that. So
0: so let's, let's talk about regulating that. How do you regulate being hard on yourself?
1: Oh my God. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think that (laughs) with enough time, enough experiences, enough rejection, I think rejection is actually kind of a great thing, especially for artists to have early on. Um, I mean, at any time, like, of course, nobody wants to be rejected, but I think some of the best lessons I ever learned was from rejection early on, and and being told like, "No, you're not right for this," and and sort of having to adapt and understanding why it's not necessarily because you're not talented enough, or you're not good enough, or not pretty enough—all this kind of stuff that we psych ourselves out over. Um,
0: would you be willing? Would you be willing to give us? One of those.
1: An example? Yeah. Yeah, I would say actually, like, the first thing that comes to mind is really one of my greatest experiences of rejection, which would be um, moving to New York as a teenager and um, getting an agent. And, you know, you, you can be the big fish in a small pond, say, like in your high school or in your high school plays or in your musicals or wherever. And then you're in the real world. And, um, you know, people are like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Next, uh, um, experienced lots of auditions where I felt like maybe the casting director wasn't even really paying attention to anything that I was saying or doing. The first real screen test I had was for all my children when I lived in New York and I was 17 years old. I was barely 17 and I I knew about the show. I didn't really watch it and whatnot. I hadn't really grown up watching soaps in general. But, of course, you know, we knew all the great characters from different shows. And, like, Susan Lucci and All My Children. And um, I remember getting an audition for All My Children and then getting a screen test. So my very first screen test ever was with Mark Consuelos. Hmm. And I was super nervous. And there was probably about nine other... I want to say, girls slash women. I might have been on the younger end of the spectrum of the women auditioning. (laughs) Well, you must have been,
0: like, how old were you at that time?
1: I was, like, literally maybe just turned 17, and I was trying so hard. You mean
0: the younger end of the – you were a teenager.
1: Yeah, I was a teenager, and it was supposed to be more – you know, it was supposed to be a – a woman in her early twenties and obviously I was trying so hard and I was pretty baby face too. Anybody can attest to, uh, by the way, I'm
0: looking at her right now and she still is baby (laughs) face.
1: Oh, I'm still a baby face. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I was super baby face. Like I look like a kid. Um, anybody who saw me when I first started on days, like I was super like, you know, like, like my chubby cheeks and the whole thing. And, uh, but I was trying to be this like, seductive woman that the character called for. And, um, Mark was so nice. It's the first time I'd ever met him. And I met Kelly, his wife as Mm -hmm. well. And like at that time, I think it was their oldest son. He was like two years old in the hallway or something. And I just was like, so intimidated by the whole thing. I was completely out of my league, terrified, never done this. Um, you know, I was basically a kid at this point (laughs) anyway. And, um, yeah, I just kind of went for it, and I remember kissing him, and I shoved my tongue down his throat.
0: You what? And
1: he, what? And he <laughs> like, let's like, like full on, like, just grossly making out with this poor man who was so kind, and he didn't say anything, and he kind of, in hindsight, I think afterwards, he kind of, like, sort of laughed or giggled and was like, okay, um, thank you, very nice to meet you. <laughs> and for anybody who's not been a, doesn't know uh Sort of the protocol for a screen test. I mean, it's, you're literally meeting a stranger, and you're you're doing like a whole scene with them. And
0: oh, I, a- I can I can tell you straight up. I've I've done many screen tests with yeah. many of my co stars over the years, and I've <laughs> I've had to um, you know, you know, I didn't put my tongue in their mouth, but I've 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 well, definitely been my, I know. <laughs> but but I have to say I have to say. The, you know, I've got to say, in all honesty, you're not the only person that has told me this story over the years. And I, I actually experienced that, too, you know, because it's a very nerve wracking thing oh, to go absolutely. into a screen because test. Because
1: you, you, you want it to like you want it to look good. You want it to look real. But there is no real discussion beforehand and this Comes with experience and age as well. Like, I was so naive. I had no idea. And by the the way, so we can just later, I'm horrified. So we can just let the
0: audience in on this too. Yes. These producers sort of come and go in these shows, right? You know, we have producers, they're there for five years and then they move on and they get fired and then another producer comes in. And everybody has sort of an idealism of what they're supposed to do as their job category. And they all they all kind of come in and they're like, oh well, you know, you know, let's, let's see you guys together. Let's match you up. Yeah. And then they come in, you know, you, you know, it comes together, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, they're like, oh well, it's a very awkward thing. It's very awkward. I can't- oh,
1: it's super awkward, and especially if you don't feel, um, I don't know if safe is the word. I don't want to, I, you know, that. You know, it's very, very dark <laughs> innuendo, but like, if you don't feel safe to ask those questions, like, how do I do this? Because you want to feel like they think that you're right for this job and that you know exactly what you're doing, and you know, even if you're sort of right out the gate. And uh, so, yeah, for the audience listening, that is not proper actor etiquette to shove your tongue some down someone's mouth. So that's why we're kind of laughing about this now. But he was he was very lovely about it and, and very kind and. Many years later, we actually could laugh about it, and I was like, I'm so sorry.
0: No, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's okay, because we, you, don't, you don't know. It's like, hey, you, you know, it says, oh, you're going to make out with that person, and yeah. what is your, you know, idea of making out? Well, that's a very broad idea, and yeah. I, I actually got a note, too, to, to, to uh, actually back what you're saying. A long time ago, when I was 17 years old, when I was just a baby. And I was just being screen tested for Bold and the Beautiful. You know, apparently I did duck lips. I was, I was, (laughs) I was, I was a a duck lip guy. And apparently, you know, know, they didn't like it. They were like, hey, by the way, you're doing duck lips when you're kissing. And I was like, what does it mean to duck lip? They're like, well, we don't want you to do that. Open your mouth. But just, oh no,
1: way to to make you feel really insecure. So, yes, this is the kind of stuff we deal with as actors. Yeah. it will be one producer that has some sort of an idea or think they see something, and then they can cause like lifelong insecurity. <laughs> well,
0: I've been worried about duck lips ever since. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I I've been trying to not duck lip it ever since.
1: Oh yeah, is my yeah as much as you try to get past it. Yes, for me, it's I was told uh, if I wear my hair in a ponytail that I look like an alien because my head is too big. So. I'm like what? <laughs> so, uh, for the most part, no one will ever let me wear my hair in a ponytail who, because I don't want to say who
0: said that. But apparently, have an, I apparently have
1: an alien head, so well, I don't know. No, you but, have yeah. a beautiful head,
0: and you're perfect it, it just took, the way you it, it, are. It, it,
1: it took me it took me a few years. Uh, at one point, there was one producer who was very adamant that I cannot wear my hair back off my face because I. He said I was weird looking if he did.
0: Well, that so, sounds yeah. just ridiculous, and and, um, I mean, and and you guys, you know, if anybody knows who Nadia is, she's just a beautiful human being inside, yeah. outside, and it, by the way, I want to talk a little bit about something, and it's a little, it might be a little bit personal, and more than personal, your father. Ah, yeah. A Swedish composer. Yeah. Right? All your yeah,
1: Yeah. Conductor and composer of classical music. Mm Um, he also did film scoring, uh, but yeah, I mean, mainly that uh, he did a lot of arrangements, symphonic composer, did some operettas, operas, things like that. Yes. So, you
0: know, but it made, it did because, because of his success, you (laughs) moved around as a child.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Anytime I say how many places that we've lived, people always go, Oh, you're a military brat. I'm like No, <laughs> but could be mistaken for that. So, yes, I was born in Newport, Rhode Island, spent some years in Stockholm. Then our family moved actually to California, to Hollywood for a couple of years. Then we moved back to Stockholm. Then we moved to Palm Beach, Florida. And then uh, my brothers and I, as we say, we're like, um, band camp nerds, we went to Tanglewood Institute, we went to Interlochen, In, and then I moved to New York as a teenager. So, what,
2: yeah, was, kind of, was that hard? Kind of, lived,
1: kind of lived everywhere.
0: Was that hard for uh, you?
1: I mean, it's kind of the only... It's the only life I've ever known, so it, it it wasn't particularly difficult, I guess you could say, because it's sort of the only way of life that I've known, so... With that being said, I can very easily, as we had our conversation earlier, I can very easily pick up and move anywhere because I'm used to it. And it's it's an adventure. It's an adventure. It's your, you know.
0: Do you think that made you more of an outgoing person?
1: uh, Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe I just, I think I have a pretty outgoing personality in general. Um. And then I have, and then I think of my younger brother who is a, a college professor in New York, and he's, um, I mean, he's wickedly smart, has a great sense of humor, but he's kind of quiet, and he's he, he doesn't have a super outgoing personality, but and you know we were raised in the same home, so I think some of that's just innately what you're born with, um, but maybe yes, learning to adapt and not being. Hugely sentimental, if that makes sense. I'm not very sentimental about like material objects and things like, uh, you know, I don't need to hold on to things because I know that it's not as important as as being with your family or having your family and love and and wherever you go, like, you know, you don't need a bunch of stuff. You just, you, you need the people that you care about around you.
0: Well because you had to move. Yeah. <laughs> did did but did that you know because most children they have the opportunity to go through grade school to high school.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I, so I went to a few different schools in in different states um, and yeah, I didn't have you know, I don't I don't necessarily have like the lifelong friend experience that some people have. Though Through the magic of social media and Facebook, it's interesting how you reconnect with people that you go, hey, we used to really like each other in the fourth grade. (laughs) So that is kind of fun. That is kind of fun. Um, But I did not go to college. I went to work right away, right out of school. I moved here to L.A. and I started on days right out of high school. How was that? that,
0: Can we talk about that? uh, Like, What was that like just coming from that to that?
1: Well, those were, those were my college years and I'm, I'm so grateful for them because realistically if I was going to go to school, which I, I wanted to, but that it didn't work out that way. Um, you know, I got the greatest training I could possibly ask for by experiencing it while working instead of, you know, going to get a degree to learn something that I'm actually now getting paid to do and learn, you know learn as i'm doing realistically of course you know if we look i'm, I'm sure you can uh, agree with this sentiment of like if we look at our work when we were like 17 18 19 on tv you're kind of like ooh okay what we were are you very talking green. about i was amazing we were still that. just we were still learning <laughs> um I was you know, I now, was I was like
0: what the kids would say dope. No, no, that they don't use that anymore. <laughs> um, I was pretty, you say you were dope.
1: I, I mean, we were both amazing, but you know what I mean. Like
0: how we were just no. I was just, awkward. Right? I was insecure, and I had a lot yeah. of issues. And and I and there was a lot of things that had happened during those days, not days of our lives, days, yeah, but hey. days. But I love because we're talking about with you right now. But um, there was a lot of stuff with me insecurities that happened through those days. Oh, absolutely! That I, that I had to learn, and it was like it was like thriving. It was a thriving time. Yeah,
1: well, because we're also still adolescents, and probably not giving ourselves enough credit for what we were doing at the time. And you know, you just feel like, of course, like anyone else, you want to you want to fit in, you want to belong, which is what I, I'm so appreciative of and love my character. Chloe, when when I first started on the show, the character was an outcast, a girl who was bullied, who felt insecure, who didn't feel like she belonged. So it was kind of a cathartic experience, even being Chloe, because it wasn't that big of a stretch for me as an actor, because I'm like, this is basically how I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm just trying to along and, and and fit in and, and be a part of figure it all yeah figure it all out and, you know there's there's so many things and so many expectations not only in our profession but so many professions if you start out for you to know every aspect of it and, and you won't unless you've been in it it's like you know simple things even like learning what a mark is you know <laughs> I mean I'm being being very basic there but it's like learning how to hit your mark and when people give you like, you know, there's a lot of code for code language. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, do you think, do you think
1: we 80s or stage managers say things to you? And you're like, I'm supposed to know what that means. And I don't know what it means, but I'm going to yeah. pretend like I know what it means because you know, I yeah. want to stick around here.
0: I want to, I want to hang out and still continue my yeah. acting work.
1: Yes. Exactly. Do you Do you think
0: that not, Knowing those things allowed you to succeed, though.
1: Um, maybe, maybe you know, some of it is ignorance is bliss, and then some of it is just perseverance. If you love something enough, you're going to figure it out. You know, if you can't, if you can't hang with the big dogs, eventually you're going to be out. So <laughs> this is why I love a, it's you. It's a quick, man. it's it's a quick learning lesson. All of it, you know, you just have to be willing to. To put in the work.
0: Well, I I, like I've anything. been te- I've been preaching this to my my kids, my my son specifically because now he's a teenager. And, oh gosh, uh, yeah. But how no. old are your kids now? Well, he's a preteen. He's twelve years old, going into thirteen. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: And um, you know, but you know, he you know he does well in some things. He does well, and you know, you know, look, it's like just like me. You know, I, I didn't do great right. in everything in my life, but you know, we want the best for our children. And, of course.
1: Oh, and, I'm te- I'm terrified of getting to that stage where I'm like, well, you know not well, Okay. Me, how how about this? Pre- I don't want to project my own ideology onto my children. I want them to figure out what they want to do. You know, because you always get that question. I'm sure you do too, which is like, you know, do you do you want your kids to go into show business, be <laughs> actors? And I'm like, no, you took the words out of my mouth. Or, yes, it's just like. I, Am I going to try to dissuade them if they absolutely want to? Of course not. I'd be a huge hypocrite if I did that. But, you know, I just want them to do whatever they love. And even if I don't understand at all what they want to do.
0: And, and that's something <laughs> I want to talk about, too, because you're sort of, um, you know, you, you know, there's a lot of actors that are out there that are very adamant about posting stuff all the time about their families and their children and, you know, they may shave their armpits or they may, you know, shave their legs or, you know, say, hey, I did this today. It's like a day to day thing.
2: I noticed yeah. that
0: you are not that person.
2: Why? Yeah, Why do you think that is? Um,
1: I, I just, it, it just doesn't feel organic for me. Like there's been, there's been moments in my life. And maybe when I was younger or definitely when I was younger that <clears throat> I used to love that the platform Twitter. I still love Twitter, like reading Twitter and for news and things like that, or following people. And I, I enjoy the humorous aspects of it. Um, and I used to be really engaged on Twitter and then I don't know, something happened. Like when I had my kids and you know, there would be times I would post some pictures or be really proud, you know, or, you know, just wanting to share sort of proud or like joyous feelings. Mama moments. Um, Mama moments. And, Yeah, mama, mama. And and then you sort of realize that, I don't know, there's also kind of, um, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there or a lot of Debbie Downers. Um, And I think, you know what, I I could say this now and the next week decide I want to post a picture every day, but it's just not innately who I am. I don't need to share um, everything that's going on. I sort of prefer to live in the moment. I I'm almost to a fault. I don't take enough pictures, I feel like, or take enough pictures of us together. Or I'm like, okay, well, all my pictures are of my children or my dogs, but I'm not included in any of them, but I probably should. So one day they can see what their mom looked like or remember what she looked like when they were kids. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't know. There's, there's a part of me that feels like maybe sometimes putting out so much out there into the universe is just going to, Invite unnecessary energy or bad energy. I don't know if that sounds a little, you know, uh, spiritual or hippy dippy or something of where I'm going like, well, I just don't want to, I don't want to invite any sort of negativity into our life and I'm perfectly happy and I don't, yeah. I don't need to validate my existence or theirs by posting pictures. Those, I mean, there's times I'm like, oh, I really, or I feel like I want to. Then I'm like, no, it's okay. That's just for me. I don't, I don't need anybody else to see it.
0: I respect that about you, <clears throat> first of all. And that's why I asked that question. I saw that. I noticed it. Um, I follow you on social media as you
1: realize I'm, you realize I'm utterly boring.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I'm more boring than you are. That's, that's <laughs> the whole thing is I, I was watching, I was looking and, and I was like, I just really like your aptitude about how you respect yourself space and, and talking about mental health and, and making sure that that doesn't infiltrate negativity from comments because you yeah, know it is it's like, world. because
1: I've seen enough you know i've i mean i'm a I'm a big girl uh, I'm a grown woman, so I can accept some like negative comments about myself, but you know sometimes even you try to post a picture that makes you happy, and then people would just say the most awful things, and you're like, you know you know way to ruin what was meant to just be a fun or a joyous moment or something that was just or something done in jest um and hey, maybe that I don't, maybe my skin's not as thick as I think it is, you know, I don't think anybody likes to see something negative about themselves or, or hear people say stuff or you know, like even really silly things. I think I posted a picture once that was taken well before I had children. And it was sort of a throwback picture. And I thought it was a beautiful picture. And then you know, you have these trolls that come out and say, oh, you're you're a mother now. You should be ashamed of yourself posting a sexy picture. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even want to engage. You know, there's moments where you feel like, oh, I you know, but why am I going to be a keyboard warrior? Like, what's the big deal? I've got I mean, I've got a few um, online altercations uh, about <laughs> like mask wearing and stuff. but I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? This is not. This is not doing anyone any good. It's fine. When you talk I'm about the mask-wearing
0: engagements, tell me,
1: like, or you know, somebody uh, posting a picture not wearing a mask correctly or whatnot, and then you, you know, people being like really belligerent about it, or like wearing around their chin, as a
0: chin strap. Or yeah, like there. wearing
1: around their chin, or you know, and where they're like, you know. Shut up and, and stick to acting, stick to entertaining and don't talk about
0: <laughs> Well, it's my health too, dick dong. Sorry. Like, don't
1: don't don't talk about Paul. You're not allowed to have an opinion. You're just a puppet. Shut up, you know. So <laughs> but there's moments
0: I really they've I said that. that. They've
1: said that. There's moments I have not been proud where I do engage with people, but then I'm like, what is the what's the purpose of it? It's so like it's so silly. Like fine, you do you I'm not going to argue with you or, you know, argue with science. Like, you go and
0: live your happy life somewhere. I'll live mine. and
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, sometimes you just got to disconnect and let it just be. Yeah, you
1: have to disconnect. And I think especially, obviously, for all of us, this past year has been so difficult for everyone. Everybody's stressed out.
0: that That it
1: hasn't felt, you know, it hasn't felt sincere necessarily. But, like, post pictures or even if I'm having, like, a really beautiful day with my kids and, like, the sun's out and I'm feeling good. Like, I don't know. It's just... it's It's been a tough time in the world. And sometimes you almost feel... Uh, there's also, like... The, there's guilt around it as well. Like, if I'm doing okay and I'm not struggling or suffering that uh, I'm so grateful for, you, you kind of feel like you don't even want to mention that. Even if it'll put a smile on someone's face, you, you know, you feel like maybe that could... Hurt someone else's feelings. Oh dear, the uh, children I have infiltrated them. Hey guys, hey, Mama's on the phone. Okay, yeah, hi, my love. Oh dear, you are gone. Here's
0: one well, of them. You can fine, see, see him. Oh, is is this uh, is this Vigo or Torin?
1: That's that's Vigo with the blonde hair. What's right up, hair? dude? I love you. Okay. What is that? <laughs>
0: No no no. <laughs> no no no. Yeah?
2: What,
0: what's up, yes. handsome?
2: I what? What are you saying?
1: Uh, oh oh dear. yeah. Boys are like nonstop uh, yeah. energy. No, that's
0: great. No, I you know that's what oh, I would, that was actually what I was gonna oh, ask right. you about. Is is raising children and that's a, we're actually <laughs> segueing into the right spot.
1: Do you do you have I, Yes, my love. Hi. Um, I know your oldest uh, son is. Uh, whose child is a son. What are the other two? My
0: my my kids' ages.
1: No. Do you have girls? How many? Girls I, I have boys? a
0: son and two girls.
1: Oh, Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. You wow. get the best of both. And girls. I got three
0: dogs too on top of it, so it's. And cool. three
1: dogs. I have two dogs.
0: <laughs> well, you're like you got your and hands full. And, and two like boys.
1: Me. So yeah.
0: Yeah, you got your hands. God, full.
1: God help us.
0: Hey, yeah. So well I, I mean like well you know this is this is why we have real conversations because we got we got our kids in the background and yes. what are some of your secrets you know when like cuz you got kids that are close in age right
1: Yes they're they're 15 months apart
0: They're it's 15 called, months apart <laughs> How do you calm the waters with your kids like when they get into because you know they're going to as kids do pick up pick each other apart
1: Um well, thankfully, they're now at the age of where they're actually enjoying to play with each other. <laughs> sorry, Maria. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry he's out of here. Um, you know, at first, I, I will say, actually, it was more difficult at first, at least in my experience, because they're 15 months apart. And so they were both like infants at the same time. Like I had a 15-month-old and a newborn you know, and there was moments I was like, oh, my God, this is so overwhelming. I might as well have twins. <laughs> it would have been easier because they were both in diapers and both hadn't, you know, they had a lot of needs. But then their schedules were different. So um, now that they're becoming like little, little dudes at three and four and their personalities are coming out um, and they're starting to enjoy playing with each other, it's the greatest thing ever. I'm so grateful, especially because of this last year when they haven't been allowed to be around other kids that they've had each other.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I wanted to talk about um, some of the great works that you did after the passing of your father. You, know, you, you created Nadia's Cancer Crusades. How can we learn about that? Um, well,
1: that was actually something that sort of, um, I don't want to say fell in my lap, in a way. But, um, so my father died of leukemia when I was 13. And then when I joined days, um, at 19, um, I think maybe a year into the show, the, the writer sat me down, which I do appreciate, uh, and said, Hey, just, you know, um, we want to write the storyline for you where Chloe gets cancer. It's leukemia. And I was like, you know, it's just, That was heavy. We are clearly, you know, living my entire adolescence, having lost my father from leukemia and it being such a scary thing to even revisit or relive because I was heartbroken. Um, They basically wanted to warn me that they were writing the story and how did I feel about it? And, um, you know, I mean, I didn't know how I felt. I, I was absolutely terrified to have to try to uh, act out something that, that was so personal that happened to one of my parents. Um, But with this, they said, we we are um, partnering with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and we want to do this whole like um, uh, sort of art imitates life, imitates art. Uh, We want to have like the cast, involved working with the leukemia society and um uh and uh, doing like light the night walks so that it was very um very informative that was kind of the stuff that that was happening in real life uh and then i became ambassador for the leukemia and lymphoma society that year um and one other year um but basically, just meant that I, I worked with them. I went to their events. We did the Light the Night walks. And I was also very educated about all the fundraising efforts and what, it, what went into it. And, uh, you know, having a learning a greater depth of different types of blood cancers and what it means and treatments. And, and realistically, I, I feel like if my father would have lived today and had. Uh, his former leukemia, he would have probably lived. And that's what's, I mean, it, may, it, it, it makes me so sad. And simultaneously, I, I'm, you know, it's so thrilling the medical advances that have happened in 20, 25 years, you know, in, in so many cancers. But like, yeah, so it it, it was a difficult storyline to act out, but I guess it was maybe kind of cathartic and like, I had really great people working with me as in uh, people from the leukemia lymphoma society. And then the actors I was working with at the time, Patrika Darbo who played my mom and Kevin Spiritus. And they were like, they really were like surrogate parents to me. Like they were so sweet about all this. And they were so like gentle with me and, you know, would just, you know, give me these like hugs and like whisper, like sweet things in my ear. Um, to like get me through it because some of it was like it was you, genuinely really you, so difficult that it was hard to get through like a take of something because I'm you,
0: like do you think it was a, it, it was a, a bit much at that young age or were you thinking that you might be uh, apt to handle that?
1: I mean, I guess. Um, hey, you know what? It 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 was a lot, but at the same time, it was what it was, and I am grateful for the storytelling that. There was with it and, and um also I, I don't want to call myself a role model necessarily but uh sort of the role modeling that that character gave at the time this character who was um uh, bullied and, and who didn't fit in and then she gets cancer and like how she deals with it and I just remember at the time it was like, you know, this was before Twitter or any of that stuff. People sent in real mail and said, hey, um, I, this I, can changed my life. Changed I can relate to you. I can relate to you. I'm sick. I'm yeah. sick too. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're helping me get through this as well. Like that's a, that is pretty powerful. I was it, like, wow. It is
0: powerful. And, and um, as a young woman, how did that impact you? How did it make you feel? <laughs> Oh,
1: uh, oh, well, that part I was like, it's it's all worth it because of that. Even if I had just gotten one letter or two letters, it was like, oh, wow, you know, art is really powerful in any form, and this kind of proves it. That um, you know, the, the things that, it, and this obviously didn't seem trivial, but sometimes things that we may feel like are not that important or trivial. Somebody else may see it and it can really impact their life in a really positive way. Uh, so, you know, it certainly made me not regret the profession I chose to take up because <laughs> you feel really good. Like, yeah, Hey, we're in this together too. And I- I'm so glad that this is helping you because, Oh boy, this isn't easy for me to, well, there's to,
0: a lot of, act there's act a lot of people react, that I know that yeah. that look, there's a lot of people that look up to you, Nadia. And I look up to you, and I want you to know that, Aww. that you know, I already know that there's a lot of fans out there, but I am a fan of you, and I've always been a fan of you. Not only Aww, the way, I'm, you know. I'm the, a you, fan
1: of you. That, hey, I was yeah. looking forward, a total side note, to singing with you last year, and then the world shut down.
0: So oh, well, one of these too. days
1: we'll sing together.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to talk about all your competitions <laughs> and all of your – that you've won over the years, because a lot of people, maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't know that Nadia has won a lot of uh, opera uh, competitions. She's an amazing vocalist.
1: I paid him to say that, too.
0: <laughs> well, but that, but that is the truth. She, she's an amazing vocalist, and she has won multiple competitions with her beautiful voice. She, she's a powerhouse, strong uh, soprano is it aren't you? Uh yes I am thank yeah. you. You should be my publicist as well, well. I'm gonna start being paid for this hopefully <laughs> soon.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: No oh, but uh the thank you for saying baby. that and I would have loved to do that too. Can,
1: you hey, know, can I guess? I guess it wasn't meant to be the right time, and we'll do it again.
0: It, oh, well, there's going to be plenty of time because we're not going anywhere. You know, we're going to kick no. COVID's ass, and everything is going to be on the right mend soon. What do your fans have looking forward to? You're a great mom. You've got all this wonderful stuff going on. Aww. Can we look forward to anything that's happening currently? That um,
1: well, oh, thank you. I mean, I. I, I wish other than right now, just working on days, it's just it's a weird time and scary time. And there's so many, obviously, rightfully so, COVID precautions. Like we get COVID tests every single day before we can even enter the building mm-hmm. at work. Um, you know, so it's it's just a lot. But I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to when all of this Hopefully, um, subsides a bit, at least, yeah, somewhat ceases to exist. That we can like get back to working on other stuff, working on music, and yeah, you know, uh, us working on a new season of Beacon Hill. Can you, or something can you, else. G- can you like,
0: give us, can you, you know, give give my, you know, my young audience that listens to this podcast some inspiration yes. when they say, I want to be an actor, I want to be a musician, I want to, I want to, and then they don't know which direction to go. Do you have some sort of advice to give those conflicted young artists of what that means for you? I mean, I would say
1: if you, I mean, you have to love it. You have to love it like with every fiber of your being and in your bones because, um, it's important to be able to accept rejection like we talked about. Um, oh, yeah. So a full circle back. I did not get that role after we talked about <laughs> on all my children. I screen test probably like three more times in other shows. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, clearly not cut out for this because, you know, I was told no, no, no. I was told no, no many times before I was told yes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to learn that early on that, you know, you just keep doing what you love and, and keep practicing and keep doing it. You know, you can't just. You also can't sit around. It doesn't matter whether you sing, you play an instrument, you act, you dance. Um, You know, find an outlet that um, that speaks to you, makes you happy, and do it and just keep doing it.
0: (laughs) But I I have one more question for you. This is it, okay? Yes. And the question is, and it comes from an old song lyric too, the question is, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And those lyrics mean at some point in your life, somebody carried you. I know they carried me. They carried my friends. Who carried you, Nadia? Ooh, that's a,
1: that's a deep question. Oh, oh man. I don't know who carried me. I know that sounds kind of, I don't know. That sounds like a a sad last comment here to make, but, um, I wouldn't say it's one person in particular. It makes me feel like people that I, I I think it's so important to create your own community and your own family, whatever that means for you. That doesn't necessarily mean your blood.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But I've had really amazing friends in my life who I I think would almost take a bullet for me. And I think that that is.
0: Well, that's very, that's very much somebody who who would carry. Yeah. I,
1: I would say that, you know, so it's sort of a collective Um, and I think as artists, we also create that, like we find that, you know, we, we build our own family and our own community of people that we understand each other and love each other for who we are and like lift each other up and support each other. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful to say I have that and it's not necessarily other actors. Yes. Other actors, but some of my best friends are like work, um, it other, but also it's, doesn't surprise me that they're all creative, like my best girlfriends are writers and and, and singers and like teachers and people who, you know, are sort of are giving something to the community. And we've created our own family. I guess it's that we've made our own little circus and that's kind of what it's about.
0: Well, that's all it means, right? Then that's what it means (laughs) is, is who helped us along the way, who inspires us. Who carries our ambitions? Who carries our nurturing? Who carries what we love? And that's the idea. And yeah, I th- you answered that. It's it's our friends. It's our family. It's the people that we love artistically that we care about. Um, and I yeah. just I want to thank you, Nadia, first of all, for joining the real well, thank- conversations with me.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Take care. I hope to see you soon.
0: Real Conversations is proud to announce our partnership with Lane Frost Brand. We'll be doing a monthly giveaway of a different item each and every month. So be sure to enter. All you have to do is follow at Real Conversations with Jacob on Instagram, tag two friends, and be sure to download the latest episode of my podcast. And in the meantime, make sure you check out all the amazing merchandise for the whole family at (laughs) lanefrost.com. The expert interview today is a little different than what we've focused on in the past with Chris Hallstrom from the Boys Town National Hotline. Part of good mental health is a home with a little drama. As parents, we know it can often be a struggle to get a drama-free home environment. So for today's podcast, I'd like to welcome a parenting guru to give us some tips. Welcome, Bridget Barnes, the director of Boys Town's Common Sense Parenting. Welcome, Bridget.
2: Thank you, Jacob. I'm glad to be here with you on Real Conversations.
0: I'm, I'm glad to have you. Now, Being as this is a mental health podcast, I think it's really interesting to focus specifically on, on parenting for a bit, because really, as parents, we, we don't have our own mental health to take care of, but we have our own mental health rather to take care of, because, but sometimes we don't take care of our own mental health because we're so focused on our children. Uh, Bridget, I'm curious, what advice would you give parents who are overwhelmed with not only managing their own mental health, but the mental health of their children as well?
2: Well, when it comes to parents helping their children manage their mental health, I would suggest to use what I call the CARE approach. It's just an acronym, an easy way to keep up with this. The C stands for CONNECT. Uh, Looking for and creating opportunities to connect with your children, taking that time not just to talk to them, but to really listen to what they're saying and what they're not saying about their school day, challenges, their feelings, their fears, and don't expect them to tell you everything all at once, but be willing to really take active listening and not to make any judgment statements. I recall when I was younger, my mom used to sit on the front porch and swing on this very large swing we had, and eventually one of us would go out there and sit with her and swing, and we would tell her the nothings and the somethings and the big things on that swing. Now, when I grew up and had kids of my own, I didn't have a swing, but I had a car, and I would get my son in it, and he couldn't get out, and we would have these little 50-minute dates where we'd go around the corner and get a Coke or an ice cream, and he would tell me the little things and the somethings and the big things in his life. So it's really just finding that time to connect with kids and really listening. The A in that acronym stands for accept Accept that there'll be times where you cannot solve your children's problems, that you will need to reach out to get some help. And that's okay. There's no shame in your parenting game to reach out and get support. I kind of tell parents is like this. There's the Band-Aid and the ambulance decision. If your child is bleeding profusely, you're not going to put a Band-Aid on that. You're going right. to get an ambulance <laughs> sure. and take them to where they need to get some help. Same thing applies, however, with mental health. We don't always see it, right? It's in those little things. And so we really have to be connected and be aware of what our kids are saying and not saying The R stands for Role Model. You can't say, do as I say and not as I do. If you want your children to take care of their mental health, you have to show them that you are not afraid to talk about mental health, that you are mindful, that you are willing to have that conversation and get help for yourself as well, and to take good mental health for yourself as a role model. And the last letter stands for encourage. You want to create an environment in your household that children feel love, they feel safe, and they feel encouraged. Uh, Really, encouragement can go a long way when you praise the small stuff. It helps you get through some of the big stuff in life. So sometimes in my house, when my kids are little, we would start the meal out with a prayer, and we would end with praise. We're going around the table and praising each other. Or we would have a praise box, where we would catch each other being good and put things in it that we did that day that was great. And I try to do a four-to-one ratio. For every one time I correct a child, I try to find four of the times that I am praising them. And that's my care approach to trying to keep mental health in the household.
0: Oh, that is some strong stuff right there. Um, I, You know, as you were talking, I was going through my own mental Uh, Memories of what I do during the day and what I have maybe not done as much of. And it's always a good reminder as a parent to, you know, connect, take that time, be the role model, listen to them. Um, A little does go a long way. Um, Mm -hmm. That is, uh, it's very strong. Where can they find that on the website?
2: Oh, yes, yes. Boys Town has uh, a lot of great information on our website. We have an online class. We have ask the expert that parents can tap into we have a monthly uh facebook chat just on and on there's so much uh wealth of information up on our site so i really encourage parents to uh, go up there and find out more about the support they have for parents on our website and and
0: what uh option is that on the website for parents to go to
2: so they would just go up to the Boys Town, you know, the boystown.org site, and they'll see a little tab that says parents, and they push that, and then push the that whole one. world opens up.
0: Lots of parenting stuff going on.
2: <laughs> they'll get a little overwhelmed at first, and they'll go, oh, this is too much information, but that's okay. Just push, you know, what looks good to you, and they have topics and age groups and all kind of things, So, and then they have the behavioral health docs up there, so if you have a, a question that's a little bit more involved, you can ask the experts and pick the expert you want to talk to, whether it's me or one of the behavioral health experts. It just, you know, it's just up there for the parents to choose from. So go to boystown.org and then push parents and then you'll be with us.
0: Huge resource, uh, boystown.org. Now, Bridget, in my interview with Nadia, I thought it was so perfect when her kids crashed our interview. I mean, What a great example of, of what so many of us parents are dealing with right now, managing home life, work life, in the same space at the same time. And I love how Nadia just rolled with it and let her kids be a part of what she was doing for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really was just a really honest moment that was taking place. Do you think parents are getting to the point where they are figuring out how to manage both of these things together while working from home? Or do you see that a lot of parents are still struggling with that balance?
2: Well, there are some parents who have begun to turn the corner, so to speak, in regards to figuring this out, how to manage school life, home life, work life, now that they're overlapping in the same place. However, there are some parents who are still struggling with this, especially parents who are working a second shift. You know, they're essential workers. All of those parents are leaving home, and and they want to be home with their kids. So there's one thing to be home with your kids, and then there's another thing they have to leave, and you want to be home with your kids, and your kids need you. So I think we're all kind of struggling with that uh, still, and we're trying to figure it out. And I think we will get there uh, and get better at it. And I think it's important during those times when you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out to, uh, we have food banks and service supports. There is a bank, so to speak, called Boys Down <laughs> that has those services and supports for parents f- so you won't feel alone. So you won't feel like, I can't figure this out and there's no place to go with this. There are people that you can talk to on our hotline that will talk to you night and day, whenever, to figure out issues that you're facing. So I think people are getting better but life is life. I think that parents need to not feel alone and that they can reach out and get support when they need it.
0: Yeah, there's certainly a lot of people that are still out there that are afraid to get a little support sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, even though they probably know they might need it, um, whether it's emotional support or even some physical support. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think anybody out there that might be listening should ever be too proud of uh, to know that once in a while you might need a little something extra. Um, one of the things Nadia also brought up in the interview that I love was how difficult it is as a parent when your kids don't enjoy the same things that you enjoy. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell there's having a preteen, um, just, just how that is, especially when things that they enjoy are completely foreign to you as a parent. What are some of the tips you give parents to help them connect with their children's interests? Uh, So that are so different from their own.
2: Well, number one, kids uh, not enjoying the same things that parents enjoy is normal, so know that you're normal when you when you feel that you're a normal parent and that's a normal kid. I would be kind of surprised if they liked everything you liked. Uh, so it's okay not to be okay with some of the things your kids like and for them not to like some of the things that you do. It's really a, the, you know, an emotional and social developmental challenge that children are going to have to face and parents are going to have to face with them. This says my child is getting older, they're getting different interests, they're becoming their own person and that's something kids have to do. And if they're doing that, that's a good thing and a testament to you as a parent, that you're allowing them to grow and become who they are. Of course, we want to make sure that they're doing things that are safe, that they're doing things that don't go against their own morals and values, but that they're becoming their own person. Still, I would suggest that parents make an effort uh, to spend time together as a family. And I can remember my son, me dragging him to something, him complaining the entire time. And then when it was over, he's like, Mom, thanks for (laughs) taking me and making me do this. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I wish it wasn't like pulling deep with you. But now that we look back on it and as you grow up, you won't remember all the things you ever bought your kids and they won't remember all the things they ever had. But they will remember The times you spent together as a family, good, bad or otherwise, they will remember that. So invest in those family times and allow kids to have their own thing that they do separate from you.
0: You know, it's so so true. I I recently just took my kids to the museum and, you know, being we're in the middle of a pandemic still and vaccinations are coming out. There's a lot of this stuff... Well, my wife is very cautious, and I, I can appreciate that. That's how she's been through this whole thing. And um, fortunately, none of us have gotten sick, which is also another blessing. But we've, we've been reluctant to do many things. And I finally had gotten stir crazy. I said, well, let's go do something. Let's just let's take the day off from school, but still go to school, and go to the museum. Let's take a field trip, because we're teaching at home remotely. So I said, mm-hmm. let's go do that, and... I have to tell you, their eyes were so big, and they were so enlightened, and they were so happy, and they told me over and over again what their favorite things were that they saw and they experienced, and it not only filled my heart, but it also, I think, filled us up as a family. We had been sort of feeling trapped because of this Mm -hmm. pandemic, and it was really nice to go do that, and, and I could just see how much they appreciated that.
2: Right. Yeah, sometimes taking that break, and um, as long as you're having the social distancing and you're wearing your mask and you're taking precautions, making sure everybody is healthy enough to go, you know, uh, I think it's it's good for kids to get outside. That vitamin D is good for them, <laughs> and taking that break is good for them and good for you as well. So, no, I think it's always good to just spend some time as a family, and because we're in this pandemic, I understand the caution, and rightfully so, but we also have to say we're seeing at Boys Town the spike in the calls that we're getting from young children, teenagers, Uh, And and parents are concerned because kids are just really overwhelmed right now, uh, you know, uh, and stressed out. Uh, We're seeing that anxiety, suicide ideation, uh, and definitely a lot more conflict because uh, we're being kind of cloistered for so long in our homes. And so you will want to make sure that you take that break. It's a good thing. Good for you, Jacob.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I I mean, I wasn't looking for a pat on the back, but I will take it. (laughs) I will definitely take that because, you know, I finally I was maybe it was just me, but I realized very soon into the trip that everybody really needed it. Now, last thing I want to touch on uh, is social media. It was funny because I was just having a conversation with another actress just before this. And this was one of the big points, too, uh, that her kids are on social media. Well, her, her child uh, she's an only child, and she feels like maybe she's a little too lenient sometimes because she just has the one child and she's the only child. But um, Nadia mentioned a lot of the negativity that she's encountered on social media for herself personally and her own mental health. And I know that kids see this stuff, too. She was very much uh, a changed person when she shared things online. Um How much should we limit social media to kids? Uh, Is there something that we should do? I mean, I, I feel maybe totally cutting them off from it is not also okay. What sort of advice would you give?
2: Well, I believe that social media is definitely a part of our children's world. It's going to increase. You can't turn off technology. It would be like going back to the horse and buggy for us. So I think that it is here. It is part of their world. and going to continue to be part of their world. We need to teach them how to manage that world. Okay. So we have to teach children how to turn off, tune out, and navigate uh, toward more positive social media. Uh, Because the algorithm uh, picks up what we're going for, you know. So, number one, turn off. Uh, Teach your kids uh, how to be okay with uh, turning off technology, having, like, technology-free zones where – Technology doesn't come into this area, the dining room table or in the kitchen or wherever. There are places that technology does not enter. You don't have the TV in the bedroom if you want kids to go to sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, turning off technology in certain areas. Uh, having um, screen-free periods uh, during the day where we just read a book, do some, go to the museum, do something other than a screen, go outside um, and be okay with having technology-free days where you kind of unplug a little bit uh, and uh, do other things. And It's mesmerizing to me how we've gotten so connected to technology that we can't even think about doing something where technology isn't present. I mean, right now we know that kids have these phones in their hands constantly, <laughs> just not, not letting go of that, and adults too. And we really have to be able to put it on silent be able to put it down, put it in a purse, put it away, and step away from it and be okay that the world will not crash if we're not on social media. Yeah. Uh, tuning uh, out negative speak, right? So blocking people who have a lot of negative speak uh, from your uh feed, uh, not following hate mongers, uh, just keeping that social media that's negative at bay. And you can say who can be on your Facebook or on your chat or whatever and who cannot. And it's like having friends. There are people who are associates. There's people who are your close friends. There are people you would never have anything to do with. That's the same thing with social media. It's a world and there's people that you probably want to avoid (laughs) in that particular world. So now looking for the good. There's a good part to social media. That's why it's here. It started out that way, and it's kind of gone to the left. But we can do that. We can make the algorithm look for the good. So I do purposely challenge uh, myself to look for the good in social media, in what I watch on television or or what I look for online. And when you do that, then the algorithm says, hey, you want to see this. (laughs) It gives you more of it. So if you look for negative things, guess what? You're going to find them, and it's going to give you more of that. So tune off, uh, turn off, okay? Don't be afraid to turn it off. Tune out, negative speak, and navigate toward positive social media.
0: Yes, yes. And make sure, I love that idea, too, of having a no electronic zone in the house, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that my son's got a phone, my daughters have iPads, and they, they get so accustomed when they're not doing schoolwork or whatever, they just... They go right to it. And, and I get it because I'm always checking my phone for business reasons. Um, but at the same time, it's also kind of a uh, teach what you preach sort of thing mm-hmm. where if I'm going to say that to them, then I need to make sure that my phone is off too as a parent and that we all are just not engaging at that point, whether it's for dinner or just a nice time for the family to come together and and not be, have any of those distractions.
2: Right. Well, I don't know if you recall when you were young and there was like maybe a thunderstorm and it shut everything down, the lights, everything goes out. So we all have to come together with our little candles or my father would light the fireplace or whatever and we huddle around and then we would have the best conversation. It would be the best times that I can remember in my life when we just the, the world outside just shut down and it was just us. And so you if you can capture those times by having technology free zones uh, where kids don't have that and you yourself are not using that, you'll be capturing those moments uh, in your kids' lives and they'll remember it in the, throughout their entire life. <laughs>
0: oh, that's lovely. I remember those times many times growing up in Washington we had big thunderstorms and windstorms and we'd have power out for almost a week sometimes now after a week it becomes a big deal, you know, because now the refrigerator is not working and there's all sorts of problems going on. But, but, uh, uh, but just, you know, just remembering those times lighting the candles, getting around together. Cause it's so dark in the house and everybody pulling together and, and, uh, my dad telling me not to be scared or, and just, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, it was a nice time. So that's a, that's a, mm-hmm. I love that analogy. It's really sweet. Um, Well, Bridget, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and giving such great advice.
2: You're welcome. Anytime.
0: Now, that's about all the time that we have today. Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the mental health podcast, is sponsored by Boys Town. At Boys Town, their slogan is, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. And for over 100 years, Boys Town has been saving children and healing families. They're only one call away, and they're always there to help. Please go to Boystown.org for all the details on how to access Boystown's health services or simply go to yourlifeyourvoice.org. If you are in crisis or you need immediate help, please call the trained counselors at Boystown National Hotline at 800-448-3000, 800-448-3000, or text VOICE to 20121. Thanks for joining me on Real Conversations. I'm Jacob Young. Until next time, love yourself and love each other.